What do you say about uh, the cross? There's so much to say when it comes to the cross. I, some of my earliest memories uh, thinking about the cross um, uh, involve sitting in the back seat of my grandfather's Oldsmobile in, in Oklahoma. And he was in the front seat. He was a large man. We called him Big Daddy, six foot seven, 250 pounds. He's my grandpa. And I just had this deep bass voice. And he would sing this song that many of you know. Uh, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And, and he would sing with this just like deep voice. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And ever since I was a little kid, I've thought about the old rugged cross, this cross that in many ways represents suffering and shame, but it's the center. It's the center of Christian worship. And this is the moment when our king was crowned, he was crucified, he died for us, and there is too much to say about the cross. Like, one of the frustrations with a message on the cross is that it just, it will not do justice. Like my words this morning will not do justice to the incredible complexity and beauty and power of the cross of Christ. You just cannot explain it all. It takes a lifetime to continue to see, to look, to gaze upon the old rugged cross and to, and to take in its majesty and beauty and life-changing power. This morning, I was just reflecting on, in many ways, how the message of the cross seems like foolishness. I was reading the Apostle Paul, who says, you know, Jews look for signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, which really is a stumbling block to many. It's like, how? How is this form of execution something you wear around your neck? Why? Like, why is the cross the center and the pinnacle of the love of God for the world? And so I'm just going to offer just, just a few minutes, just short few minutes, um, explaining just one small, I mean, it's big, it's massive, it's beautiful, but just it's one incredible gift uh, that we see in Jesus at the cross, and it's the gift of his sacrifice. I want to talk about the word sacrifice. Um, I've been reading a book called Surrender, and it's um, uh, Bono, the lead singer of U2. It's, it's his memoirs, um, his autobiography. And he tells a story uh, in the middle of the book about 1987. On December 20th, 1987, U2 was going to play a show at Sun Devil Stadium in Arizona. Bono had been having a public disagreement with the governor of Arizona, as you do if you're a rock star. You just get into a spat with the governor. <laughs> but it was about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, the, the, this day set aside in America to remember the pacifism and justice of Martin Luther King Jr. Well, the governor of Arizona didn't want to celebrate it in Arizona. And uh, so Bono was openly critical of the governor. And Bono received a death threat from someone in Arizona that uh, if they came and they played their show on December 20th, uh, Bono would be shot, specifically if he sung the song Pride in the Name of Love, which is about Martin Luther King Jr., specifically the third verse, the third verse. They said, he won't make it through the third verse. He'll be shot. And so the FBI came to U2 and said, do you still want to play the show? And they said, yes. And so what they did is they confiscated weapons uh, from people who were coming into the stadium, which in Arizona is no small feat. And, uh, and so they confiscated as many weapons as they could, and then the show went on. And Bono felt very confident as they opened up with this, as they played the song Pride in the Name of Love. 
And, but on, on that verse, on that third verse, he said he started to feel quite weak, and he kind of fell to his knees, and he closed his eyes, and he didn't know if he would be alive by the end of that verse, because of course, with 55,000 people, you know, someone could have snuck in a gun. Would he be shot? Well, at the end of the verse, Bono opens his eyes, and uh, he says this about his experience. Bono said, quote, I looked up at the end of the verse, and I clearly wasn't dead. But not only that, Adam Clayton was standing in front of me. Some of you know Adam, he's the bass player. He stood between Bono and any bullet that was gonna head his direction. Sacrifice. Someone stands between us and the pain, the death, uh, the the sadness, um, all of it that was coming our way. Someone stands between you and all of that evil, that sin. Someone came and stood, or I should say hung, between you and death. You see, 700 years before Jesus, a prophecy was given about a servant who would lay his life down for God's people. We read this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Such sacrifice, such love, his life for ours. And we pause on this Good Friday to think about our sin. As Isaiah calls, our transgressions, our iniquities. Look at our sin. We have no idea what we're doing. Our greed, our pride, our self-centeredness, our lust, our manipulation, our narcissism, our complacency, our failure to love, our apathy, our anger, our bitterness, our stubbornness, our jealousy, our hatred, and all of our self-hatred. We have no idea what we're doing to ourselves, to others. And listen to the very moment that Jesus was crucified 2,000 years ago. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus, as he's pierced on a cross, on a Roman cross, he looks out upon those in front of him and he pronounces this forgiveness upon them. They don't know what they're doing. And yes, as as the empire drove nails in his own body, he prays for them. Yes, he's praying for the Jewish leadership that didn't understand him and, and betrayed him. He's praying for the Roman empire that foolishly washed their hands of him through Pilate. And yes, he prayed for the very Roman soldiers who were crucifying him, but I believe that he was praying for you and I at that moment because we have no 
idea what our sin does to God, to others, to ourselves. We have no idea in what ways our sin is inviting all forms of destruction and death towards us. We don't know what we're doing. But Jesus steps in. He steps in, and with great sacrifice, Jesus takes upon his own body the death that we were headed towards. It's like he absorbs it. He takes it into his own flesh. All of that was coming towards us. He takes it, and he stands in the way, and he takes the bullet, and he looks at us, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. See such great love for you. I will not be able to forget the September long weekend of 2017. I'll never forget it. Our church lost an incredible member of our community, a man by the name of Mark Neville. The Neville family, Mark, his wife Shana, and their two boys, were in a horrible car accident north of Kamloops on their way home back to Langley after a vacation. Mark tragically died in the accident, but Shana and her two boys survived. They're alive today, and I believe they're actually here with us at this 11 a.m. service in the room. And I need to tell you the story, and I got Shana's permission to tell you the story. It's a story of how Shana and the boys lived even though Mark died. You see, um, on the Saturday, Mark and Shana and the boys drove home from Prince George. They're on the highway driving south, north of Kamloops, and Mark had to make a split-second decision, and it would be a decision that would save his family. Mark was a member of the RCMP, and specifically the ERT, he had training in how to drive large vehicles, and this is what his colleagues from the ERT told me. They said Mark knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew how to drive large vehicles. Well, on their drive, a large truck was weaving in and out of the center line, coming towards them, and this prepped Mark that something was not right about this truck. Then uh, the most horrific thing happened. The truck fully uh, crossed the center line and was heading straight for their own family truck. Mark could not veer their truck to the right because there was a cliff. So in a split-second decision, his ERT colleagues told me that he positioned the truck in such a way so that the full weight of that other truck would hit him right there at the front left of the car in the hopes of saving his family. To be T-boned or to have experienced a head-on collision would have been deadly for one, two, or three of his family members. So Mark positioned the truck so that the full weight hit him 
not his family. Let me say that again. So that the full weight would hit him, not his family, so that his family would live. Does this sound familiar? We call it the gospel. It's good news. And to the Neville family, Mark, you need to know, Mark lived the gospel in his final seconds of his life. And for the last six years, this story has been a powerful picture to me of the cross of Jesus. Jesus positioned himself on the cross to, in order to take the full weight of the evil, the darkness, the injustice, the pain, so that we, his family, would live, so that we would survive. All of the weight of the evil, the sin, the darkness, the injustice was heading straight for us, headed straight for you, and Jesus puts himself in the way and gives up his own life. He sacrifices his own life. He lays his own life down for you because he loves you so that you would live, so that you would live. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. And through that sacrifice, God was reconciling the world to himself. Jesus takes the bullet. Jesus takes the full impact. And then he looks at us and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And on this day, my friends, would you remember that you have been cleansed of sin, that you have given an opportunity to have life and life to the full, that you are so deeply loved. You are the family that God has rescued. So would you come with thankfulness today? Would you be thankful this morning? Thankful for the cross? See, I think that's the only thing that we're called to do today. That's it. It's really quite simple. It's to say thank you for the cross. It's to look again, right, and say thank you for the cross. As we sung that old Matt Redmond tune a number of minutes ago, once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. And once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. North Langley, the old rugged cross. Let's spend our lives gazing on the old rugged cross. But this morning, once again, let's say thank you. Jesus, once again, we say thank you. We're so grateful that you took the full impact, the full weight of the death that was headed our direction and you, you stepped in. You, you stepped in and now we have life and life to the full and so we wanna simply come and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank, thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the life that you have offered us. We love you.